Libra is a cardinal air sign ruled by Venus, which definitely Venus connects us to beauty, to aesthetics, to love, to our values. And Libra expresses itself with that air, that mindset associated with the scales. So it is beauty, it's harmony, but Libra is you know, here for justice. I love one of our Libra archetypes, AOC. And there's a lot, there's a lot of people in law and change makers and people in advocacy groups and running nonprofits who are very Libra heavy in their chart. So during this time of year, we really want to think about like, okay, how can we bring that in? Because it's part of the zodiac evolution. The universe is loving and wise and knows that in order for us to live the fullness of our potential and purpose, We also need to be involved in some sort of cause outside of ourselves that's helping bring more equity and balance to the world around us, to the earth that we live in, and to the people around us. Welcome to Cosmic Rx Radio, a podcast that gives you real-life tools of spiritual empowerment and pure hype. I'm your host and intuitive guide, Maddie Murphy. I'll be serving up your weekly energy readings, cosmic boss interviews, and astro inspiration. Are you ready to love yourself more, manifest your dream life, and own your magic? Let's jump in. Hello, my baddies. Welcome back to another episode of Cosmic Rx Radio with me, your host, your girl, your cosmic consultant, Maddie Murphy. If you're new here, this is one of our solo cosmic coaching episodes. So what we do on these episodes is we break down one of my favorite coaching tips, tools for you to work with to embody the energy of the season we're in. So you can integrate and just step into your most aligned, authentic, highest, and hottest self. Now, if you're new, again, you can go back and listen to old episodes, but I really believe to live a purposeful, empowered life, all you got to do is look at the Zodiac Wheel. It's giving you a cosmic assignment, a cosmic RX every Zodiac season. And I like to look at a mindset tool, a spiritual practice, and an embodiment technique to help you really open up, harness, and activate the gifts of the season. If you're listening to this and you are out of Libra season, no worries. It's always good information, but it can also especially help you unlock the part of your chart where Libra is. Even if you don't have any planets or major placements, angles there, that's cool. Say your second house is ruled by Libra. By studying the Libra gifts I'm going to talk about, you can probably understand how you can make more money, bring more value, accumulate more resources, and maybe get some more revenue based on these Libra gifts. So I hope that makes sense. Today, we're going to be talking about sacred activism. I think it's something that is very near and dear to my heart. I know that. And I think it's something we could all benefit from. And I started studying sacred activism in 2016. And I really felt like, yeah, especially if you're in the spiritual field, 
to understand this, you know, it's not just about spirituality anymore. It has to be spirituality with an undercurrent of social justice and looking at the larger fabric of our society and including different backgrounds, different groups, different people from different ways of life that don't look like you and don't have the same background as you. And like being mindful of all of that as part of your spiritual practice. Nowadays, we definitely talk about this a little bit more. So this may be a refresher. You might be like, yes, duh, after 2020, we need sacred activism. But I'm just going to break down what it is, some of the tips of how I like to incorporate it in my own practice, and then just an invitation to you to, to weave it into your own life, to live more purposefully with this in whatever way you see fit. Okay, so before I jump into that, we like to do my Virgo announcements. And then we also do a mailbag question where I answer one of your questions. If you want to submit a question to me in the show notes, there's a type form, the 1-800-COSMIC-RX hotline, except it's a type form. You can go in, pop your question in there. All questions are anonymous and I love to see them. I love to hear from you. So before I go into the question, the only announcements I really have right now are just that I love you all. We're at like 85. 5,000 downloads, which is bananas. That's all because of you. It's all for you, Janet Jackson style. You blow me away. This community of witchy weirdos, mystical mischiefs, cosmic change makers, baddies. I've just been on my birthday. I went through all these messages. I was looking at all these DMs and I was just weeping with gratitude at how beautiful you all are and how I get to do this and walk this life with you. It's beyond. So if you enjoy the podcast, we always appreciate leaving a rating review. I pull one review a season to win a one-on-one free complimentary rating with me. So make sure if you leave a review that you leave your Instagram handle as your name so I can find you and slide in those DMs. Yeah, so keep those coming. Share this with other of your like witchy friends, especially if you have any friends that are like, "Mm, yeah, a little bit on that like rebellious side of spirituality. And also like, you know, if you have that friend who loves crystals, but also loves taking thirst traps, this is the zone for them. We know. (laughs) Okay. Anyway, love to have you all here. Let's jump into our mailbag question. Okay. So this is actually from an Instagram, um, ask me anything, but it was so good that I wanted to put it on here so it could live forever in the podcast universe. Okay. So Tyler on Instagram asked, how should I go about reading my wedding day birth chart? Question mark. Is that something people do? Question mark. Absolutely. First of all, is the answer. I love doing event astrology. I love looking at charts for events of businesses, first meetings, weddings, big trips. Uh, There's so much to unlock here and it helps us understand the context of the thing that started that day. So in this case, it would be your marriage. So here's some pointers. First, you can just go to astro.com, time passages. They have a category for events for your saving charts. So you just enter the event as you normally would, the location, the birth time, the birth location and the day, and then the time of the event, especially at a wedding. Like, you know, when did the wedding start? When did you take your first vows? In that range. Now, here's some interesting things in terms of interpreting it. You want to look at all the normal planets to understand, you know, like, what's the vibe? You know, especially like, where's the Venus? Where's the Mars, the sun, the moon? These are things that can help you understand, you know, the dynamic of the marriage a lot. 
Also, in marriage event charts, I've heard that the ascendant is the groom and the descendant is the bride in that sort of like gender typical marriage. I have never really needed to read that for anything. And that also may be better for more like horary. I never have pronounced that word, horary charts. But it is interesting if you want to look at like the maybe partnership dynamics that could be an interesting thing. I'm trying to move away from very like gendered astrology. So if you're in a same-sex marriage or you're just in some more like, I don't know what, you're gone beyond the gender binary, first of all, good for you. Second of all, that ascendant-descendant thing, you'd have to decide, like pick a coin, flip a coin for who's who in that. And then some other interesting things that you want to look at would be, you definitely want to look at Saturn in the sky at that moment. Because Saturn really rules, you know, obligations, long-term commitment, responsibility, and looking at where Saturn is may help you understand the flavor or the way and how you're going to commit to each other. And also looking at where that Saturn plays off of your unique charts between you and your partner. So like, for instance, Saturn, I believe was in Aquarius. I am just off the top of my head when I was married or maybe, no, it was in Capricorn. Saturn was in Capricorn and my life wizard has his Mars in Capricorn and I have my Neptune in Capricorn. So just looking at that, oh, sorry, my Neptune's in Sag. I'm sorry. I'm, I didn't like prepare obviously for this, I'm just like talking off the top of my head, but you want to look at where you have those similar transits in terms of like the overlapping of the chart and the moment of the chart. So you can even do a bi-wheel of like you and the person you're marrying, and then you can compare it to the chart of the moment and see like, so say Saturn would be when I was married in my house of partnership, actually, because my seventh house is ruled by Capricorn. I don't have any planets there except for Jupiter. That's what I meant to say before. So just understanding like how that plays off of each other, which for me is actually why I got married in my Jupiter return year, because my Jupiter is in Capricorn in my seventh house. So Jupiter was expanding it and Saturn's like, okay, time to take this next move, make this next commitment. And also I just want to point out that a wedding chart is not a compatibility chart between you and your partner. That's something else you can do. It's a mystery chart. It's in essence a natal chart for the birth of the union itself. It'll describe like the cosmic conditions of the day. But like I said, it'll also kind of forecast and give you some good hints of what the couple can expect regarding your marriage. So besides Saturn, you want to look at the Venus of the day to understand what the values are, how like this relationship is going to give and receive love. And is it in Gemini, you know, that you're going to be social butterflies and, you know, push each other to make new ideas? Or is it going to be in Cancer and like your home and your house and your family life is going to be very important in terms of the things that you value? So we're going to look at that. Then we're going to look at the moon and any of the aspects to the moon because the moon's the inner landscape. So this is like how you really feel how the love is behind closed doors. Also really describes in a marriage chart, the emotional foundation of the union. So you could look at the phase the moon's in, you know, is it a new moon? Is it a waxing crescent? Is it a full moon? And then the sign that it's in. And also, is it you're making a trine? Is it making a square to any other parts of the chart? And helping understand that and read that. Like if the moon was trying the sun, it may mean like a really harmonious relationship of your inner world, outer world. If the moon was, let's say, applying a conjunction to Mercury, it may be that, yeah, like, 
you're on the same page, you're on the same wavelength, the relationship, there's got common ground from the mindset perspective. And then of course, um, you want to look at the sun, just the season that you're in. And, you know, you want to look at that's going to be kind of what you're going to be known for, how your relationship is going to express and a little bit like to the public eye, which you could do your rising sign for the chart too, to describe that. But the sun sign really speaks a lot to that. And it's just, it's just fun. You can do this also ahead of time and more like electional astrology if you're picking a wedding date or just reading it after like a natal chart just as you read for a person to understand the marriage a little bit better. And then of course, if you want to look at children, if you're thinking about having children, I would look at the fifth house and see like what planets are there, what sign rules it, you know, what else is happening in the fifth house that might help you understand like what your children are going to be like, what's the energy of raising them. Okay, so I hope that helps. I really also just want to disclaimer, there's no such thing as a perfect chart. There's no such thing as a bad chart or a scary chart. So if you see something in it, you're like, oh my God, ah, ah, my wedding has this thing in it. It's fine. It's just giving you advice, right? It's awareness. It's an instruction manual. It's a decision enhancer, not a decision maker. Okay, so I hope that helps. There's so many other funny things my mind's going over for the marriage event chart, but that's where I'm going to leave at. Uh, let's go on now to our cosmic coaching. Let's talk about sacred activism for our Libra season mindset cosmic RX. So first of all, why? Why sacred activism? Well, Libra is a cardinal air sign ruled by Venus, which definitely Venus connects us to beauty, to aesthetics, to love, to our values. And Libra expresses itself with that air, that mindset associated with the scales. So it is beauty, it's harmony, but Libra is, you know, here for justice. I love one of our Libra archetypes, AOC, very fueled by sort of a new version of of really taking justice out in the street. And there's a lot, there's a lot of people in law and change makers and people in advocacy groups and running nonprofits who are very Libra heavy in their chart. So during this time of year, we really want to think about like, okay, how can we bring that in? Because it's part of the zodiac evolution. The universe is loving and wise and knows that in order for us to live the fullness of our potential and purpose, we also need to be involved in some sort of cause outside of ourselves that's helping bring more equity and balance to the world around us, to the earth that we live in, and to the people around us. So what is sacred activism specifically? It comes from Andrew Harvey coined the term. He birthed the concept of sacred activism, and he wrote a book about this, and he really recognized that it's sort of this like Venn diagram of traditional activism with spirituality crossing over, because he realized that on one side, most activists were burnt out. They were addicted to doing, going hard, like any activist I know. That's why I was so mad at that show. I talked about it on the energy report that showed the activists, they were going to make all these activists like jump through hoops and do dancing and win social media challenges to give them money. And I'm like, for goddess's sake, just give these activists money. They're already burnt out. They're already doing the most. They're already like, you know, when you're a full-time activist, your job is never done. And you're going up against a lot in terms of red tape, in terms of financing, in terms of dealing with people who may be against the cause that you're rallying for. So I'm like, they don't need a freaking reality show that's set up like that. And I think whatever ABC, CBS, whoever it was, has since pulled it back. And they're, they're going to reframe that because the internet was like, hell no. Also, Aquarius is involved in humanitarian efforts, 
progress, radical, revolutionary. So we're in a very Aquarian time right now. And this Libra and Aquarius energy is so important to study because we're moving to a very air-based, including Gemini. Gemini, Libra, Aquarius energy is where we're moving towards for the foreseeable future in our lifetime. So studying it is like getting the game plan. It's getting the roadmap. So we're just going to follow that, right? So anyways, back to sacred activism. A lot of activists were really addicted to doing. And he quoted Andrew Harvey that most mystics were addicted to being, being navel gazing, looking inward, sitting, you know, being Zen. Like, and that's kind of like he started to touch on that sort of love and light, spiritual bypassing, like, it's all good. I'm fine. Like your energy is a reflection of your perception of the world. And like, I'm here and all good vibes and money is just intention and energy. It's like, yes, but we're living in a little bit of a society where a lot has gone wrong and we're going to need to actually get involved and not just like send love and light to people's directions. We need to get up off our asses and in the streets. And we all, I think, felt that in the beginning of 2020. Like I said, I started studying this 2016 when Trump was elected. And I was like, yeah, I feel like I got to like be a bit more involved in my spiritual practice and kind of like, oh, like there's a lot happening out there and I need to like get up and do something. And then Leila F. Saad wrote that letter to like Dear Spiritual White Woman. And I was read to filth. If you haven't read it, check it out. But this is a balance, sacred activism, very Libra. That's why we talk about it now. Sacred activism is implying like spirituality without activism is empty bullshit. And you can quote me on that. It just is. Spirituality without actively advocating for the liberation and empowerment of others is just bullshit. It's just another form of vanity, navel gazing, ego feeding. It's just true. And activism without spirituality and self-care and support and being connected to something bigger than yourselves, it's just not sustainable. And I think it often leads to, to burnout, exhaustion, depletion, and we can't have that, okay? So we're bringing these two these two sides together, the Venn diagram, and we've seen the Venn diagram coming, like overlapping, right? We see a lot of people in the spiritual community finally being like, yeah, yeah, we got to do something about this. Um, and we've seen people who in the spiritual community have decided to not do something and be like, nope, I don't want to. And that's fine. That's their prerogative. But one, it's our choice to not, you know, support them and be like, okay, well, that's just not the kind of spiritual leader that I want to work with. And I posted something on Twitter. It was actually before George Floyd's tragic murder. It was when the Ahmed Aubrey thing happened, the awful that thing, the awful tragedy happened. I think I posted something that said, like, if you're a spiritual leader or guru who stays quiet in times of like radical injustice, you're not a spiritual leader. You're an influencer, a lifestyle brand, you know, with crystals, and that's okay. Or maybe it's not okay, but just know what it is. And of course, on that day, I was feeling a little hot, hot, hot. And I also felt like I was saying these things a lot, and I don't know if they're really clicking for people. And also, we always get upset at our own shadow, because I recognize in myself where I had been that and, and been complacent in that way in my, definitely in my 20s, in my very early 30s, and then sort of had that wake-up call, and then I wanted to wake everyone else up, which sometimes I come off a little hot, I admit. But then... You know, we had a few weeks later, 
the rise of the new you know, racial equity revolution in our country. And I feel like a lot of people were like, okay, I, I get it now. Um, and other leaders did a much better job of explaining, articulating, and giving calls to action. But it is just something that I still really deeply, deeply believe in. And I have really divested myself and not given money, time, or attention to spiritual teachers I've had or leaders I followed or thought leaders that I've written their book, read their books who aren't actively involved in some sort of sacred activism because I just don't, that's not what I believe what the future is. So anyway, I'm going off. Honey, your girl's going off. If you're new here, I'm not going to lie. This happens all the time. I'm not going to say I never do this. I always go on tangents. So the economic, political, spiritual world crisis that we're in, it's really a call to action. This is an opportunity for us to understand the realities around us and to rally together to do something different. This is the revolution. This is the cosmic revolution, sweetie. This is why we're here. We now have before us the possibility of using this extreme breaking energy we feel around us, this daunting, almost existential dread, doom scrolling, feeling like everything's gone to shite. It's good. It's because we're like, yep, there's no other way now. And you know what? The light workers, the heart-centered leader, the spiritually driven, the awakened, the conscious leaders, I think are really going to be the ones who are going to help get us through. People who respect Mother Earth, people who understand the inherent value of human life, people who are working with the phases and cycles of the moon, people who are understanding energy and taking responsibility for your own energy. Like this, this has got to be the way that really like toxic muggle way of doing stuff. It's just, mm -mm, the earth is like cleansing itself of that. Like, no, we don't, we can't do that anymore. So while we do this, Andrew Harvey really says like to live in hope you know, to really understand and believe in this notion that we can change both ourselves and the world. Mr. Harvey says we really need like to embody the role of the sacred activist, the path that has not only power, but wisdom. And we work in everything we do. This doesn't mean you quit your job and you have to go work for a nonprofit. That's great if you can do that. But it means in everything we do, we work towards becoming vehicles, channels for the divine in this world. The book that he wrote, Andrew Harvey, really takes a new level of teaching us how to do that, how to have that mental drive to do it, but also what are the practices you need from an embodiment standpoint? Because as any activist can know, it's daunting. The work never ends. You see some hard shit. It's brutal. You need deep self-care to have this be sustainable. I think we've seen in the past, you know, people get really excited, really passionate, but you can't help it. You burn out to like protect yourself. So we want to understand by taking guided action based in spiritual guidance, feeling empowered in a community helps us make this change in a much deeper way. There's a sacred power in this divine activism, and this is the time to do it. Of course, I'm going to share some tips here, but if you want to go deeper, the book is called The Hope, A Guide to Sacred Activism by Andrew Harvey. So in the book, he talks about how to find your unique brand of sacred activism. And this is probably one of my favorite parts of the book. It's just a question and it just helps you really guide you. Like I think a lot of us don't know where to start with this and it's overwhelming. There's so many causes that need our attention. And the thing they say to ask yourself, the journal prompt is like, what breaks your heart? You know, for some, it's lack of access to education. For others, it's the extinction, the abuse, the the misuse of the earth and her natural resources for other people. It may be you know, how women are treated or how survivors of domestic violence are treated. Other people could be like, you know, how we have 
even something just as much as like what breaks your heart, like how corporate America is run. And I'm going to add on to what Mr. Harvey says. Look at the part of your chart that's ruled by Libra and help understand that may be where you get to bring a little peace to this planet and where you get to advocate for more equity. So if it rules your fourth house, then yeah, things that are related to the house, home, helping people have access to housing, helping families, helping, you know, again, like the survivors of domestic abuse, helping children, helping people have a better quality of life in their home. If you are Libra rules, the, let's say sixth house, maybe it's to help people have access to healthier food or healthcare for all, or it's like, Looking at where Libra's in your chart might help you understand where you're meant to be the sacred activist. And that would take kind of the guesswork out. And if you really focus on that, if everyone just owned their Libra part of their chart, sacred activism, imagine what we could do. Imagine cosmic revolution, y'all. Like, oh my God. So following your heartbreak and within sacred activism, there's no hierarchy of heartbreaks. You don't get to yuck someone else's yum. You don't get to poo-poo someone else's choices, nor do they get to poo-poo yours. Like, just pick it, own it. Like, I remember I was part of this group in high school called Students for 60,000. Shout out to Northport High School. Shout out to Mr. White, Peter White. And, you know, he did a lot of amazing work. He ran classes and after-school programs that were to do everything to have kids, you know, volunteer for homeless, houseless shelters in the city on Long Island to helping advocate for like migrant workers and day laborers who were the victims of abuse to raising money and doing clothing drives and going down to Nicaragua and building schools and wells. And, you know, there's definitely some energy there of like white saviorism. Not going to lie. I have to unpack that a little bit, but I will say for the most part, he did a good job. He really was friends with the people in the community in Nicaragua. It wasn't like, oh, we're better than you. And we just drop in here like once a year. There was like constant communication throughout the year, constant like celebrations, wins, and really giving them infrastructure and resources to maintain their communities on their own and to also have this lifeline of like a council of people to help them when, when they ran up against something. So I, I really do believe in what that group was, Students for 60,000. But I remember we would go door to door and you do this thing called like Tootsie Rolling outside of grocery stores and you give out Tootsie Rolls and you know, get people to donate money. And most people were so generous, but like one out of like 15 people would be like, yeah, but what about the poor people right here in Northport? And what about the poor people right here in, in your own country? And I'd be like, okay, you do something about it. Why don't you do something about it? Dun, dun. Why don't you? You go for it. And you know what? This group, the thing is, is we did actually, like we would work with the local food drives. We do local coat drives. And it's just always the people who are not helping who want to point the finger. So it's like everyone own your heartbreak, own the thing that broke your heart. Maybe it's some part of your personal story that you feel really attached to, or look at where Libra is in your chart. Okay. Follow your heartbreak. It's like uh, Andrew Harvey's version of Joseph Campbell's Follow Your Bliss. So truly though, if you follow your heartbreak, I promise you it, it transforms into bliss. If you take this balance of spiritual work and guided action, I also call this, I think I talked about it during tourist season, but like tapping into like your sacred rage, like the thing that pisses you off about society or your industry or the community or the collective and letting that rage like be transmuted and let that rage be turned into like fuel for you, gasoline. Okay. So that's the first thing, follow your heartbreak. And then I just want to share some tips just to avoid burnout. I think a lot of us have had sort of like definitely internet burnout, doom scrolling burnout, 
And yeah, like if you're feeling burnout from your activism, from your cause, here's just some tips between, you know, Andrew Harvey's book and just my own resources. Obviously, the first one we know, taking temporary social media breaks, unplugging, logging off, muting the social media. There's always another thing going on. There's always like endless talk and rhetoric on it. And it can feel really draining. Like we're just not really meant for this. We're not built for this like constant gloom and doom and like disturbing. And the world isn't a fucked up place right now, but it's also really made to seem more so of that by social media. So you gotta just, that's step number one. That's a duh. It's a no brainer, but I couldn't like go on without saying that. Two, I would just say activist guilt. Once you've committed to this path and um, you feel called to it, just know that activist guilt is very real. Okay. So I want you to take these like self-care breaks and schedule them on your calendar and use them to really recharge. No social media. And this is your permission slip to say no to something that comes up during that time. If someone asks you to get involved, amplify a message, donate, go out, do a rally, and it's part of your self-care break. And I would schedule these at least quarterly. Permission to say no, okay? You're going to feel guilty. And you're going to feel guilty no matter what you do because there's a lot of things happening out there. But again, you're owning your heartbreak, your corner of the world, taking these breaks, but you need it. You need to refill the cup. You need to refuel your engine. And part of that break too, you know what you're going to do is you're not going to check the news. And I really recommend for activists, like just taking at least weekend breaks, like don't read the news apps. It's addictive because you want to know what's going on. But again, it doesn't really help for during in general, especially when you're in hardcore activism mode or when you're breaks, I want you to treat yourself, talk to yourself like your best friend's going through a breakup. Be extra tender. You know, buy yourself a carton of that good, good, like Van Leeuwen ice cream. You know, order and take out. Let yourself sit on the couch watching rom-coms. Get like a pedicure, get a foot massage. Like, what would you do for your best friend if they were really going through it? Because that's what you're feeling emotionally. And just getting back to the basics, you know, making sure you're getting sleep, drinking lots of water, sitting in the sunshine. These are things that are, again, refuel us in our nature. And again, I'm just typing one thing here. I really, there's so much to say about this topic. And I want you to have sustainable activism. I want you to be able to you know, avoid burning out. And then again, why we bring the spiritual component, allowing like the higher source, the higher force, you know, spirit, the divine, whatever you call upon for your support, your ancestors, your angels, letting them help you too, letting them refuel you, asking them for help, whether it's resources, time, energy, whether it's like a renewed passion or like a recharged spirit, ask them, ask them for help. That's part of it. And then community, you know, you have your vision, you have your drive, but like, think about anything you do on your own. Have you ever like moved on your own? It fucking sucks. But when you have friends there, okay, you're making less trips up and down, you're passing the boxes, you have music on, you're taking little breaks for like pizza, okay? It's just finding a community, finding a group, finding an organization. Also, it's good because guess what? They probably already know the way. If you're feeling daunted by a problem, there are so many groups out there that have the funding, the research, the infrastructure, and they're like, great, just looking for another set of hands, set of eyes. And that can be you. I also just want to encourage you that if you believe in a cause and you want to help, it doesn't necessarily mean you have to start your own charity, your own organization. Okay. I'm just saying that if you want to eventually, great. But if you're just starting off, look to other organizations that probably really need your help, your money, your time, your expertise. And that's the other thing about activism too, is like 
bring what you can to the table. If you're an amazing graphic designer, chances are they probably need help making posts for social media. If you're like a bomb ass accountant, see if you can help out there. It doesn't necessarily have to be like picketing in the streets um, with signs or donating like exorbitant amounts of money. I guarantee you there's a way to get involved. Like if you're a healer, maybe you do sound bowl circles for some of the people who are working on the front lines to give them a little place to to lay their head and, and recharge their spirit and take care of their frequency. Okay, so I hope this helps. It's just something that is very, very, it's a big topic, okay? It, it, you know, we gotta like just stay on top of this. We gotta think about it. We gotta make plans to take care of ourselves and others. And we wanna put together spirituality, activism, community, compassion, bringing it all together. This is where we're going. This is where we're headed. The Audre Lorde Project, too, I wanted to say, has a great framework for wellness planning if you're an activist. Um, they have a lot of great tips for just community organizing in general, but they really talk about like planning out the needs that you have for heart, body, mind, community as you're going forward and as you're like doing this. And the, my last tip is that sometimes it feels like you can't do it all the time, but you know what happens every month for two and a half days, the moon moves into Libra. So if you have your cause, if you have your heartache, you tapped into, you found you have something, a cause you want to be involved in, schedule those moon and Libra days. I always announce them here on the energy report and use those days to post about it, to amplify the message, maybe like, you know, Venmo them some money or have an automatic bill pay go to them, but that's the time that you you donate your time to a phone bank or write a letter to a senator, whatever it is, use the moon and Libra days, okay? That's two and a half days of the month where you can set aside that time to be involved in a cause and you can go on and you can expand it from there. Maybe you also do it on like moon and Aquarius, moon and Taurus days. But if you start there, you're doing it consistently and consistency is better than doing one big push and then dropping off forever, all right? So this is it, okay? We're not here to be exhausted, to be cynical. We're not here to also be overwhelmed or to spiritual bypass or to live in a navel-gazing false reality. That shit's over, okay? We need our sacred activists out there. We are cosmic baddies in these streets. And you got it. That's why you're here. If you're here and you're alive right now and you're listening to this, welcome. You were born for this. So let me know how it goes. Let me know your thoughts on the episode. You can come find me at I am Maddie Murphy. DM me. Let me know if you want more information on sacred activism. Tag us on the Cos- Cosmic Rx. Maybe tag your favorite causes you're involved in. We'll share it in our stories. We'll hype them up. And if you're out there, you're already doing this work, I freaking salute you. Let us know how we can hold space for you, what you need to keep going. This is it. All right. Love you guys. And I'll see you next time. Do you love getting your Cosmic RX for the week here and want more? Make sure to sign up for our premium subscription so you can get exclusive access to bonus podcast episodes, all of my astrology info for the month ahead, and live new and full moon calls to help you manifest your dream life with an intentional international community of other cosmic baddies. Sign up through our link in show notes. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you want to know more about Cosmic Rx, head on over to thecosmicrx.com. And if you really love this show, I'd love it if you left a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. 
I super love hearing from you and reading your reviews. All right, you cosmic baddie, tune in next week. And until then, remember, love yourself fully, work your magic, and take no shit.